Church, we're starting a brand new sermon series this month. It's, it's entitled Emmanuel. And what we're going to be doing is we're going to be looking at this word, Emmanuel, and, and which means God with us. It's important for us to recognize that he is with us, that he's doing something, that he's moving. But this is the, the anchor for us as believers in Jesus Christ, or the fact that he is here and he is with us. And today I also want us to look at a theological term. I, I want to sound real smart today, okay? It, it's called incarnation. And what this is, is it means that God became flesh and he dwelt among us. And that's what we celebrate today. And today what we're going to be doing is we're going to be talking about God with us in the valley. God with us in the valley. In Matthew chapter 1 verse 23, the verse you'll hear every week this month, it says this. Look, the virgin will conceive a child. She will give birth to a son and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. It's super easy to recognize that when you, you got things going on in your life and, and, and man, you, you're, you're feeling good, you're, you're seeing all these things happening, it's very easy for us to recognize, man, God is with us. When you get good news, right, God's with us. When you get a raise at work, man, God's with us. You know, when the baby sleeps for the first time in three months, all the way through the night, man, his parents are like, man, God's with us, right? But you know what? It's easy to sense God's presence when you're on that mountaintop experience and that you're recognizing that God is good. But what about when you're in the valley, church? What about when you're struggling? What about when you're hurting? You know, it's difficult to sense his presence at times, even for believers in Jesus Christ, when, when you're down in that, that difficult place in life. You know, when you get the bad news, when you get the bad news that, that you're hurting, when you're feeling alone, man, it's difficult to recognize his presence. When you're worried, when you're afraid, when you're battling depression like a lot of us do, it's hard to see that he's with us. And so today what I want to do is I want to talk about God in the valleys. God in the valley. See, what I find very interesting for me often, when much of your life, you know, the pockets of your life are going really good. I mean, things are going super good, and it seems perfect. You know, you're on that mountaintop high. You know what I'm saying? You're looking out, and you're seeing, and man, man, God in his goodness, and he's working and doing things, but there's that one area that comes into your life. I mean, it could be something, anything, just one area that happens, and you forget about his goodness. You forget about recognizing all the other areas, and this thing brings you down. Everything in your life is going good, but that one thing can bring you down. You know, years ago, I think it's been 13 or 14 years ago, we were out at Elkhorn Valley. You know how I feel about church camp. I love church camp. I love that place, and it's always been very special to me. It's been special to my kids. And I remember we were out there, and it was actually the last summer that our, our, my, uh, our Russian kid, Oleg, was going to be with us. We had him for, man, I think it was like 11 years or something like that. And we had him all those years, and we were out there, and I kept thinking, you know, this is going to be the year. I, I'm gonna really, we're going to really work on this because we might never get to see him again, and, and, and I want him to accept Christ, and, and he loves camp. And it was just perfect.
We're sitting at camp, and then suddenly I got a phone call, and you've been to camp, a lot of you, and there's a lot of distance there, and they finally hunted me down, and, and I went to the church, off, or the church camp office, and it was uh, Pastor Troy Warner, the guy that was the pastor here before me, and he goes, Mark, I don't know how to tell you this. He said, but your dad passed away last night. And it was sudden. I mean, he wasn't ever sick. He never had surgeries, nothing like that. It was just boom, sudden. And so all these things that I thought, man, everything's good, everything's moving, everything's perfect, suddenly it just wiped away. And I'm like, how am I going to tell my kids this? In church, before I was on that mountaintop high and suddenly, man, we slid so fast down into that valley. And maybe for you, it's the same thing. You know what? You're in the middle of that mountaintop moment. I'm talking about it's beautiful. And then the rug gets pulled out from underneath you, and, and then you land in that valley. You know, tragedy comes, and it, it, it steals, right? It steals everything that you've been hoping for. Some of you, you're there right now. Maybe you, your marriage is good. You know, it's really good, and, and things are going great in marriage and work, but then you got that one kid of yours who, who's making some crazy decisions, man, and it hurts, doesn't it? It hurts. Maybe you're, you're close to God and you feel his presence, but then suddenly you're getting news at work, uh, we're downsizing and, and things are going to take a, a turn for the worse with your job. You know, you're excited about the holidays and you're excited about family, but then you suddenly get some really bad medical news about yourself. You know, so many good things, but one or two things can take you down in that valley. And so today, church, I want to ask you this question. Where is God in those valleys? Where is God in those valleys? You know, when you look at scripture, it's very interesting. Every time the Bible talks about valleys, it, it represents several things. The Bible represents it well. See, the valley is a place, one, where, where battles are fought. You know, the armies would come up, they'd line up together. It was usually in a valley, a, a very laid out, straight place, and then they would go at it. That's where they, they would fight the battles. You know, some of you this morning, you might be in that valley right now. Maybe it's a season of depression. Maybe it's a season of loneliness. Maybe it's a season of loss. And it's strange, church. It's very strange. It can also, though, be for all of us who are believers in Jesus Christ, it can be a season of growth. The valley can be a season of growth. You know, we might enjoy God on those mountaintops, man. It's, it's amazing. But you know, you can really get to know him intimately in the valley if you want to. If you want to. If you'll turn with me to Psalm 84. See, in Psalm 84 and verses 5 through 7, it says this. Really listen to this this morning, church. It says this. Blessed are those whose strength is in you, meaning God, whose hearts are set on pilgrimage. As they pass through the valley of Baca, they make it a place of springs. The autumn rains also covers it with pools. They go from strength to strength till each appears before God in Zion. So this morning you say, what's the valley of Baca? You thought I was just clearing my throat up here, didn't you? What is the valley of Baca? See, it was related to a tree found in the valleys over during biblical times. And these trees, they would ooze out sap. They would ooze out sap. And what it is, it looked as though they were crying, these trees. It was called the valley of tears or the valley of weeping loss is what it was called. See, there's no specific valley recorded with that exact name. But you know what? It could also be, biblical scholars say, it could also be a symbolic reference. Yeah. 
It could be a symbolic reference for in times of struggles, in times of tears, that we all must pass through this valley for us to meet our God, to meet him. So anytime you see a a reference of a valley in the Bible, it usually is referring to danger or or wild animals or, or robbers. And church, listen, it was difficult to travel through a valley without something bad happening. Check out Psalm 84, verse 5. Again, I really want you to get this this morning. It says, blessed are those whose strength is in you, meaning God. Blessed whose strength, blessed are those whose strength is found in you. So church, think about this. They're saying that you will be blessed when you find your strength in God and the times that we aren't intimate with God. And let's face it, because your relationship with God is just like your relationship with your spouse or whatever. It's up and down at times, isn't it? I mean, there's times you're feeling really close to God and then other times you're not. And I want to give you a newsflash this morning. It's not him. He didn't leave you. You're the one that moved. God never moves. He never changes. He doesn't do any of that kind of stuff. You are the one who has moved. You are the one who has pulled away from him. And so in the times that we are intimate with God are the times when you make statements such as this, like, I've had enough. I've had enough. I can't take it anymore. I'm just overwhelmed. I just don't have the strength to do this anymore. Church, if you don't know Christ intimately, then what you have is all you have. Get that this morning. I want you to hear that again. If you don't know Christ intimately, then what you have is all you have. That's it. That's all you have left. So as Christ followers, though, we have a strength that goes beyond what you and I have, right? We've got a strength that we can access that goes on beyond what we have. And let's face it, a lot of you, you, you try to act tough. A lot of you, you try to pretend that you got it all going on. But really and truly, you're weak. You really are. You're weak. You're very weak. But you know what? Blessed are those whose strength is found in you. Church, here's what it doesn't say. It doesn't say blessed are those who make it on their own. Some of you tried that, right? The Bible does not say blessed are those who are really determined. The Bible does not say blessed are those who pull themselves up by the bootstraps. I don't even know what bootstraps are. I don't even know if I have them. I don't, I don't know. But we hear those kind of things. But today's world, though, it's almost an idolized spirit of dependence, independence that we have, that you want to be independent, that you want to completely do it on your own. I don't need anybody, right? I'm a self-made man. I'm a self-made woman. I can do all these things all by myself. I want to complete, be completely good on my own. Or we can see people on the complete opposite end of the spectrum. You know what? I need everything from everybody. (laughs) I need someone to depend on. I need someone to take complete care of me. And see, church, blessed are you. Blessed are you. Blessed am I when you realize that you are dependent on a power that is greater than you. You will be blessed for that. Realizing that it's not all about you. I love what the NLT says for this verse. It says this, what joy for those whose strength comes from the Lord who have their minds set on a pilgrimage to Jerusalem. I want you to understand that. It says, you know, what joy for those whose strength comes from the Lord who have set their minds. 
on a pilgrimage to Jerusalem. So we might be in a valley right now, church, but we are going. We, we, we are going to a place known as the city of refuge. That's what Jerusalem was called, a place called a city of refuge. So blessed are those who have set their minds on a pilgrimage to the city of refuge. You're going through the valley right now, but you set your mind like, you know what? I'm going to a place where I can find refuge. I'm going to a place where things will be better. I'm going to a place where I know that things are going to be all right. To get to the city of refuge, though, you have to travel through the valley of tears. You have to go through those steps. And sometimes, sometimes, church, you you get to where you really appreciate. You really appreciate the presence and the power of God, but you have to push. You have to push through a little bit of pain to get to the presence and to the goodness of God. But you know what? We are a people, we don't like to push, do we? We don't like to push through. We give up really quick. One of my favorite stories, and Mary ain't here today. She's not feeling well, so I can say whatever I want about her. <laughs> One of my favorite stories about her is when Joshua was being born, and I'd never experienced that before. I, didn't, I don't know anything about birth and babies. And I, I was there for the ride. You tell me what to do, and I'll get you there, okay? And I remember we're in there, and the doctor said, the baby's coming. He looked at Mary and said, I need you to push. And so she pushed. She had no anesthetic. She's a tough chick. She really is. And she pushed. And he goes, all right, I just need one more push from you. And my wife looked at the doctor, and she goes, I can't. She said, I can't do it. I can't push through this. And he's like, you got to. <laughs> he said, you got to. And so finally, finally, after convincing and begging and pleading, with her, she, she gave another push. And there we had a beautiful son. And so many times, church, you know what we do as human beings? We get to where it's almost done and we just need to push one more time. And we give up, don't we? We rob ourselves of the blessing that our Heavenly Father has for us, the gifts that He has for us, because we will not push through. Think about this, church. Sometimes you get to where you really appreciate God's presence. You really do. You appreciate it. But sometimes you've got to push through some pain in order to get to the goodness and the presence of God. The valley is the pathway to peace, church. That valley is a pathway to peace. And you know what? In the NLT tells us this. It says to set our minds. To set our minds on it. And how many of you are setting your minds on the right thing? You know, what we do is we focus on all of our problems, don't we? We focus on all the things that we don't like. We focus on all the things that are hurting us and our struggles. And instead, we're not focusing or setting our minds on what it is that God has for us. In Colossians, man, Paul told the church in Colossae, he said this. He said, set your minds on things above, not on earthly things. What do we do? We focus on all the earthly, don't we? You realize your, your life is a blink of an eye. It really is. I mean, we all say, I can't believe how fast time's going, right? It's true. Your, your, your life is just but a vapor. It's just a wisp. And yet we focus on all the things on this earth like it's the end-all, be-all. 
I always tell high school students this, man, it, it's like when ninth grade happens, something clicks in their head, and they honestly think those four years of their life is the end all, be all, that if they don't have this, if they don't achieve this, if they don't get this, then their life is over, that high school is the shortest period of your life. It really is. Those four years are the shortest period of your life. I mean, there are some foundations that are built in high school, but it's not the end all, be all. And I sit there and tell high school students that, but you know what I do? <laughs> I focus sometimes on all of the earthly things myself. Like it's the end all be all. But let me tell you what, church, the main objective for us is heaven. Setting our sights on the things above, not on the things below. Paul also told the church in Philippi, in the Philippi, I'm sorry, he told it, wrote in Philippians. Remember, he said, whatever you think about, right? Whatever, you know, the whatever. Think about the things that are good. Think about the things that are pure. You know, all that list that he gave us. And he said, think about such things, but what do we do? We dwell on earthly matters. Do you realize sometimes all you do when you're in that valley, you sit there and you stare straight down at this mess that's right in front of you and see God is all around you doing these things and you're just standing there staring straight down at whatever the mess is that's in your life at that moment instead of raising your head up and you're looking out and saying, man, God, I see how you're working here and God, I see how you're working here and you're working over here. Whatever it is, church, we have to make sure that we're paying attention. Do you understand when you're dwelling on those earthly matters, you're not doing yourself any favors you need to focus on the things above because church we have access to a heavenly strength you do you have access to it. if you are a believer in Jesus Christ if you've given your heart to him if you've given your life to him you have access to a heavenly strength I'm talking a divine strength you have that a strength from God that is only available to those who know him. It's not for everybody. It's only available to those who know him. And so when you hit the end of your strength, then he kicks in. I told you before, man, when we go to Walmart, I, I'm that guy, I'm lazy, I guess, I don't know, I'm not sure the, the term, maybe I got something to prove, like I told you before. We go to Walmart, you get 10 bags, man, you put five up each arm, I'm not making two trips out to that car. And there's one thing that's a lot different about Mary and I. I'm kind of like the rabbit, and she's kind of the tortoise. I love her for it. I absolutely love and adore my wife, but you know what? She, she, she's slow. <laughs> she is. So we get out of the car at the house, and we've got our, our groceries from Walmart. I'm already kind of crabby because you spent way too much money for what you got anyways, right? We can all agree on that. And so I got those bags. I'm one trip, baby, one trip. Line them up the arm, and I'm up there at the door, and I'm waiting, and I'm standing here like this, and my wife is still sitting in the car. She's making sure her lipstick is in the right pocket in her purse, I think, and she's looking all around the car, and I'm standing there like this, and man, I've learned from experience and being a good husband you don't dare say a word. So I'm standing there like this. Keep looking, and she's still piddling around. And I don't know what she's doing because I'm, I'm here, and she's down there. And then my strength start, starts to give out. And I sit there and think, like, man, woman, when are you going to get up here? Okay, I'm just being honest. And my strength eventually runs out because I'm a human. 
But you know what? The Bible tells us, right? When you hit the end of your strength, God kicks in. He, he, he can sustain you. He can hold up. His strength, the Bible tells us this, his strength is made perfect in our weakness. When you are weak, his strength becomes perfect in you. Because you know what? You are no longer relying on yourself. You're understanding, I've got a higher power, a divine power, who can strengthen me when I can no longer do this. So when you're in that valley, God will strengthen you. In 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 9, it says this, But he said to me, My grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly about my weaknesses, so that Christ's power may rest on me. Church, you are not as tough as you think you are. You are not as strong as you think you are. You must learn to rely on God rather than your own energy, rather than your own effort, rather than your own talent. God gave you all that, but guess what? It only gets you so far. You have to rely on him. So if you're in the middle of a valley right now, if you're in the middle of a valley right now, you have to access a very real and a present God to strengthen you. And your God is ready to assist you. He's always ready and willing to do that. You were not created to be independent. You're not created one bit to be independent. And instead, God created you to depend on him. He's a good father. He wants you to depend on him. He wants you to look towards him for strength. Stop saying that you don't want people to be there for you. Stop saying that you don't need anybody's help. Stop saying, I don't want to learn to trust anybody. Stop saying that you don't need anything from anybody because that's not true. You were created to be dependent on your heavenly father who gives us our gifts. But sometimes, church, you just have to push through. You just have to push through your valley to get into the presence that God has for you. You know what? I know a lot of you guys, a lot of you guys are pushy. You really are. When you want something, you're pushing. You're pushing. You know, you use your salesman pitch, whatever it is, you push to get the things you want. But when it comes to that valley that we're in, man, a lot of times we give up quick. You're not so pushy. You're not willing to push through. You're not willing to, to struggle. So why do, we, why do we, as believers in Jesus Christ, why do we struggle with pushing through? Church, it might be that you're in the valley, but your mind can still be set on God. Your mind can still be set on him. You know, my heart might be anxious, but my mind, church, is fixed. My, you know what, my soul might be aching, but my mind is fixed. My emotions might just be racing, but my mind, church, is fixed. It's fixed on him and what it is he has for us. You must fix your mind on God. Psalm 84, to take you right back to there, in Psalm 84, verse 6, it says this to us. It says, as they pass through the valley of Baca, it says, they make it a place of springs. I want to stop right there for one minute. Did you notice the very beginning that it says they pass through? It's, it's about passing through. I, you know, I might be in the valley, but this is not my home. This isn't where I'm going to take up residence. This isn't where I'm going to camp out. You know, don't settle in that valley, church. Don't live there. Just pass through. Psalm 23, verse 4 says this, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, right? 
I will fear no evil for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. The key is right there. You walking through. You walk through. Stop staying there, church. Stop living there. Stop building your house in that valley. Some of us just want to stay there and, and, and we're doing ourselves an injustice. You know, I might be hurting today, but I'm not going to be hurting forever. Because you know what? My God will get me through this. And it, it talks about those springs there in, in verse 6. It talks about springs there, but King Jimmy, the King James Version, right? He calls them wells. He calls it a well. And do you realize when you're in a dry place, you dig a well, don't you? When you're in a dry place, you dig a well. And when you're in that dry place... And you're thirsty and you need refreshment, you dig a well. You dig a well, church, and you make room for God's provision. And when you are dry and hurting, you also need to make room for the presence of your God. Stop just sitting there and, and filling things up. A lot of us, we grab hold of these things that are hurting us. You're in that valley and you're grabbing all this garbage and you're holding it tight. I don't know how most of you guys are. When I get something on, man, I'm like a dog with a bone. I hold on to it tight. I won't let it go. Even the bad things in my life, even the pain, even the struggle, I'll grab hold of it and I'll hold really tight. And, they, and God's sitting there going, let it go. I'm like, no, I want to, but I just can't. And we've got to learn to let go of these things. You make a well. You make a well, church. It hasn't rained yet. It hasn't rained yet. A lot of us, we dig that well and you're like, two seconds later, well, God, when are you going to fill that up? No, you make that well, and even though it hasn't rained yet, but you know that your God will provide. You make ready. You do the things that he has called you to do, and then you rely on the things that he says that he will do. You make that well. God says, basically says, you know what? You show me your faith, and I will show you my faithfulness. You show me your faith. Do you believe in me? Do you believe that, that I will provide? When you show me your faith, I will show you my faithfulness. If you dig it, I'll fill it. And that's who our God is, church. If you prepare for me, I'll show you. If you prepare for me, I will draw near to you. You draw near to me, I'll draw near to you. In the New Testament, I love this story of the guy with the withered hand. You know, if you haven't read that, make sure you, you go home and you read it. The guy with the withered hand, and, and Jesus could have instantly just healed him. You know, this guy, he, but what did Jesus say to him? Jesus says to him this. He said, you know, stretch out your hand. The guy could have had his hand in his pocket. Jesus could have healed him. He could have been like, oh, wow. But no, this guy had a withered hand. It wasn't working. It was all shriveled up. And Jesus said, I want you to stretch out your hand, and I'll heal it. See, we want God to just take care of everything, right? We don't want to have to do nothing. But Jesus saying, you show me. You got faith in me. You lift your hand up and stretch it to me. And then I'll heal it. What about the guy who couldn't walk for 38 years? The Bible tells us that story. The guy who couldn't walk for 38 years. Jesus didn't walk by and say, hey, you're healed. No. What did Jesus say? He said, hey, you take up your mat and you walk. He had to do something. He had to, he had to show, I got faith. You're telling me to get up? I'll get up. In church, it's basically show me that you believe it. Show me that you believe my promises are true. God promised us this. He said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. You're in that valley. He's right there with you. 
He's walking. He's moving with you. He says he will never leave you nor forsake you. And he promised you that you never got to go through that valley by yourself. But you got to recognize his presence. Some of you this morning, church, I believe more than anything, you need an encounter with God this morning. But you realize that most people rarely get to see God reveal himself when you're being rushed. When you're just rushing around in life, you don't recognize God revealing himself to you. You know what? Moses didn't fly by the burning bush at 75 miles an hour, you know, take a, a picture of it and post it on Instagram. It was nothing like that. He stopped and, and he saw the, the bush burning there. And, and God was like, you know, why don't you stay a while? Hey, take your shoes off. You're staying on holy ground. I want you to stand here and, and to take this in. Why don't you for a moment just be still and know that I'm God. I'm who I say that I am. Why don't you just stop and you make a well and guess what? I'll fill it up. And I believe he speaks the same thing to us, church. If you draw near to him, you better believe he's going to draw near to you. So this morning as the praise team, I asked the praise team to come up here. I want to share one last verse with you. It comes from Psalm 84 in verse 7. It says this, they go from strength to strength till each appears before God in Zion. Even though that you are in the valley, even though that you right now, you are sitting in the valley, you got to stop fearing it. Why? Because he's with you. Man, church, that mountaintop experience is amazing. If you've ever been to the, the real mountains out west, you stand up there and you look out and it will blow your mind. God's gorgeous creation You've never been out there? Guess what? I'll give you the cheap version. Go to Beaver Creek. There's some lookouts there. You go to Beaver Creek. There's a lookout. And you can look out at all the things that God has made. And you know, even though it's beautiful on the mountaintop, you out west, it's gorgeous on the mountaintop. There's something you recognize. Nothing grows up there. Nothing grows up there. But when you look down in that valley, it's fertile. It's rich. That stuff is growing like crazy down there. Do you realize those mountaintops experiences, they're amazing. Let me see, God, everything that you've done in my life. But those moments that you were in the valley, do you realize that you can grow like you've never grown before because the ground is fertile and it's rich and God's doing something. But you've got to recognize him for it. So when we feel weak, who is God, church? Who is he? He is Emmanuel. That is God with us. He is right with you. So how many of you are in the valley right now? How many of you got pockets of your life that's just booming and it's, it's doing well, but you know, you're not moving forward because there's this one thing that you're struggling with and it's keeping you down in that valley. I want you to know that God's there with you. But some of you, you're camping in that valley. I'm, I'm telling you, you've taken up residence. You've built a solid house there. God doesn't want you there. He wants you to pass through that valley. He wants you to keep moving, to keep moving forward. And some of us, you know what? We're not even seeking him at all. You're not looking for his presence. And you know what? If you're not looking for it, you probably aren't going to recognize it. You're empty. You're hurting. But I want you to see that God wants to fill you up, church. He does. He wants to fill you up. And I'm also convinced, church, with everything that I have, that God will allow you to stay in that valley sometimes. Because he knows 
Maybe the only way you're going to see him is finally when you hit rock bottom, you're going to look up and see that he is standing there with his hand reached out. I love where the Bible tells us that when you're in that valley and you're stuck in that muck and mire, as the Bible calls it, that he will reach down. He will pull you up out of that muck and mire and he will place you on solid ground. And for you, church, that is available to you. The Bible says that anyone who calls upon the name of the Lord will be saved. So this morning, if you're sitting here and you do not know Jesus Christ personally, I believe there's some people here that don't know him personally. You've probably never experienced his full presence. You probably are like, man, preacher, I love what you're saying, but I've never experienced, that's foreign to me. I don't even know if that's possible for me. It is. It comes from giving your heart to him. It comes from you recognizing, I can't do it alone. My strength is not sufficient. I've been in this valley too long. Lord, I want you to lift me up out of this. And it comes by this, by making it right with him. The only thing that's separating you from God right now is your sin in your life. We've all sinned and fall short of the glory of God, as Romans chapter 3 tells us, right? But you know what? There's something that you can do about that. You give it to him. You ask for forgiveness of your sins. You invite Jesus Christ in your heart. You follow in Christian baptism and church. I want you to, to understand we've been commanded to do these things. But some of you are holding back. Why is it that you want to stay there? Are you afraid? Are you afraid of facing maybe the loss in your life? Are you afraid of facing the sin? Are you afraid of, of a change? Because you know what? Sometimes change changes things. And you've got to get rid of some people in your life. But God promises you this, that I will never leave you nor forsake you. So through the hardship of it all, he will be right there with you. And all you got to do is surrender to him. So how about it, church? If that's for you, I want to encourage you, come forward today. Let today be the day you say, you know, I drew the line in the sand. I asked Jesus Christ in my heart, and I want to be changed. You come up here, we'll pray for you. And for the rest of you Bible-believing Christians, you accepted Christ a long time ago, I want to ask you something. Are you staying in the valley right now, or are you walking through? Are you, are you believing in his faithfulness? Are you believing in his provision? Are you believing in his strength? Because remember, when you don't have anything left, he will strengthen you. His strength will come upon you and you can push through. So if that's for you today, I want to encourage you. You pray to him and say, Lord, I apologize for making it all about me one more time when I should have been relying on you. So how about it, church? Let's stand together and let's sing. But I want to encourage you to respond this morning.